Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, welcome to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And today we're talking about managing our thoughts. Yep. And if you will remember back to the trust discussion episodes, we talk a little bit about a managing report, which is this concept of managing our thoughts. When you're working on not looking at porn, not acting out, all of these different types of things, these are all things that you're doing tangibly outside of yourself. Right. And as we're looking at really solid recovery, there's another layer back. And that is what's going on in your head. Right. So another way we explain this in the trust discussions is the lusting Mm -hmm. that happens. And we're trying to work back from acting out to just thinking about things. And then in time, the thinking becomes less and less. And so it's... It's working your way back really as quickly as we can, but first the acting out yes. and then the thinking. And so the managing And was, you can do some of that simultaneously. Yeah, right? definitely. But becoming aware of what's going on in your mind is really, really helpful. Yep. And it's something I, I will often have uh, people who are acting out regularly and sometimes people who aren't acting out all that regularly And as we come in and we start talking about this concept of managing uh, your thoughts, they have these realizations that, oh my gosh, I am lusting all day, every day. Any woman that walks by, anything, you know, just this constant, uh, what what we call the constant little dopamine drip going on in the brain. Definitely. It's a lot more than they think it is until they have parameters. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the trust discussions, the manage report has three criteria that we've identified as not managing. Yeah. Now this is going to be different based on who you talk to. But if you remember from the trust discussions episodes, those three criteria are if you look for more than two seconds sexually, Mm -hmm. if you do a double take or more, or if you fantasize mm-hmm. for 10 seconds or more total throughout the entire day combined. And yeah. that's <laughs> from experience, may not even be the very best parameters that could possibly be there, but they seem to work pretty well. Yeah. And for most guys who are in sexual addiction, they find that they have just never had parameters before. And once right. they get parameters, they're like, okay, this is actually, they're like excited about it. You would think that they would hear this and go, oh no, this is going to be so hard. And it isn't easy, but. Yes, it's not easy. They like that there's a way to define if I'm lusting too much. Right, right. Because really when we talk about, oh, sexual addiction, it's really actually a lust addiction, right? That lust piece is kind of what drives all of the different ways of acting out. 
Um, just like alcohol, you know, it's an alcoholic. You're not addicted to beer or to wine right. or whatever. You're addicted to alcohol itself. And so this is the same type of con- concept. It's really the lust mm-hmm. that's the addiction. And so now, hopefully, as you're starting to manage your acting out behaviors, then we start pulling it back as well and saying, hey, what's going on mentally? Because you can absolutely act out in your brain. Oh, for sure. Right? With, you know, fantasies, all different kinds. You can recall things that you've seen um, and get just, you know, you can get a really great lust hit off of that as well. Yep. So we want to really pull back and look at what's going on there so that if you're managing that really well, it's so much mm-hmm. easier to manage actually acting out. Right. And just a side note, almost, when you're doing the trust discussions and you're reporting or they're reporting to you, if you're the one um, not in sexual addiction, don't be surprised if they actually do really, really well managing. So many women will tell me, well, there's no way he's doing as good as he says he is because... He went mm. from like every single day, by this definition, not managing, to we've been doing trust discussions now for two weeks or three weeks, and there's only like twice that he didn't manage. And that's mm. actually what I find. Once they have a way to measure this, they actually do pretty good. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen the opposite, where they just not manage can't every day. To, yeah, I don't. I can't manage. recall ever seeing that. Um, it's a real sort of breakthrough for them to begin to pay attention yeah. to what they're doing. Yeah. And so now if they go to Costco and they see somebody who's attractive, they know, okay, I can't look again. I can't look too long. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it might be, well, she's kind of headed in the same place I'm kind of going to. So I think I'm just going to follow her for a while. and mm-hmm. Because that's what they do. And now they're very aware of, I, I can't do that. If I do that, I'm going to be saying I did not manage and they don't want to say I didn't manage. Yeah. Yeah. And so don't be surprised if they actually do pretty good right from the start with this. Yeah. That's been my experience. And it's something that definitely takes a little bit of time to get into the awareness too. If you have someone who's kind of, that's been running in the background of their mind for a very long time, then it can take, you know, you would think it would take longer Right, right. It doesn't take super long. I'm always long. surprised. Like, well, yes. how are you? And I believe him. Really? You're doing this well? He's like, yeah. He's like, I just, I, I, I don't want it. I'm like, wow. This is like, yeah. I should have so opened with this. Your, yes. If you've got your honest, open, and willing you yeah. know, person in here, then, then it really does. It's kind of this big, you know, oh my goodness, I'm doing this. It's like a relief. It's like this old idea of how boundaries set us free, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a backyard with a fence and you tell your children, okay, stay within the fence, but you can do whatever you want. You can run and play. You can take your shoes off. You can have a good time. You don't have to worry about things. If you go outside the fence, back behind the fence line, there's this open field with some broken glass and barbed wire that's hard to see and thorns and weeds and you don't know what's back there. And so if you hop the fence and just take off and do what you want, likely you're going to get hurt. But if you're within the fence, you can let go. You can be more free. Yeah. You don't have to worry about things. And it's a lot like that, I think. Yes. And I think there's even maybe you can add to the analogy by saying that without um, 
without this concept of what is managing and what isn't, it's like the fence area and the not fence area, but there's no fence there and you have to sort of guess where, where's the fence. And I don't, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing or how to, oh no, now I've stepped on broken glass because I just wasn't sure where the the boundaries and the limits were. I know I'm getting hurt. Yeah. I know, I know I'm, I'm hurting others, but I, I don't understand Yeah. as well. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. So what we're trying to do here is create a space because I do periodically have spouses who will say, okay, well, you mean they just get this amount of time that's like free time for them to (laughs) fantasize Uh or less? So if it's 10 seconds, I hear this all the time. If it's 10 seconds of fantasizing before it's not managing, that means he just gets to sit and fantasize for nine seconds. And I find that funny because I have yet to ever, ever talk to somebody who timed it or counted it or anything like that. And go, I've got nine seconds of bliss. And then I've got (laughs) that doesn't happen. But wives are very concerned about that. And that's fair. Yeah. It's good to talk about. It is. It is good to talk about. And it's that it, I like to talk about it in terms of this is the space between being exposed to something, which is not our fault right for and and some of this yes if you're kind of creating your own fantasy in your brain then you've you've chosen that right but as we kind of go throughout the day we all are getting exposed to different things you see something on a billboard you you know see somebody walking by like this type of stuff comes at us all the time and it's it's that difference between being exposed to something and then the choice right what am i going to choose to do with that because when we're exposed to something that isn't our fault, it's not our responsibility, but our choice around it is. Um, and you have a Viktor Frankl thing, right? That you talk about, the way you talk about it. Yeah, so Viktor Frankl, you're likely familiar with his story. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And he went to a concentration camp. He lost his wife. He lost his parents. Um, they pulled all the gold out of his teeth. Uh, he was tortured. It was not a good experience for him. And he learned through all of this that the one thing they can't take was his ability to choose. Right. And he really held on to that, really, because he didn't have anything else. And he talked about we all need our own Auschwitz-type experiences, which sounds pretty heavy. Yeah. Maybe not to the level he did, but we need something really hard to where we feel out of control and we've lost everything except what we choose. Yeah. And through that experience, you know, he's the one that says uh, suffering ceases to be suffering when we find meaning in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did with that experience is he found meaning in it. So he talks about one of the things um, in logotherapy, which is what he does or did, is there is space between a stimulus and a response. But there's really no space between a stimulus and a reaction. So Mm -hmm. if you imagine a stimulus can be anything, right? You see something, you hear something, something happens to you. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. It can be anything. That's the stimulus. If you just react quickly, somebody yells at you and you yell back or somebody cuts you off and you flip them off or, you know, there's a lot here. Um, It can be, you see something that is compelling sexually Mm -hmm. and you stay right with it. Yeah. Um, He says, we're trying to get away from this stimulus reaction to stimulus, time and space, and then a response. And that time and space, he argued, is your power. 
and it's really right. your last power. It's it's kind of your only power. So you see something, something happens, and you have time and space that you can create and make whatever choice you want, whether that's turn away, look away, disengage, de-escalate, take a walk, count to 10, lay down flat on the floor, whatever it is, but that's your power. And he was yeah. a big proponent of take your power back. Yeah, You probably lost your power and you didn't realize it if you ever had it, I guess. And I think that's where a lot of guys really resonate with this manage report. They love it because it feels empowering. And yeah. at their core, I believe that they're good. Everybody's good. And to have integrity, we're not hurting ourselves and others, especially the ones that we love. And we know we're hurting ourselves and others when we engage in addictive behavior. We just yeah. know it. Mm -hmm. And we're not happy about it. Yeah. We're rotting from the inside out. And this helps you to get your integrity back. If I live with integrity, my life is drastically different than if I don't. And these guys know it, even if they're not thinking every day, oh, what are my values? And am I living my values? Yeah. They, they just feel it. And so I think that's why so many resonate with this managing. And their first response is always, oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So like two <laughs> seconds. I can't, okay, and no double takes, and they're racking their brain going, holy cow, I just did that, waiting in the waiting room five minutes ago. Right, yeah. Um, because I hear this a lot. They sexualize mm -hmm. everyone, everyone, everything, it's every like situation. They're like a computer. all day, every yep. day, yes. What is worthy of a second look? What is worthy of spending more time on? Um, it's crazy, and it happens very, very quickly. But they love this idea of I can be in control. Because they yes. felt out of control. And yeah. so what starts is, oh boy, I don't know. This seems kind of strict. This seems kind of tough. Quickly becomes, okay, last week, how are you doing? I managed every day. Wow, okay, and how does that feel? It feels really good. Mm -hmm. So they want it. They just need help to get that yeah. stimulus reaction to be stimulus. Time and space, thinking, choosing, and responding well. Right. Right. I love, and I love the little piece that you said. I want to kind of circle back around to it with the integrity, that the integrity isn't just being honest, right? It's living in that space of loving yourself, loving others. And with that lusting component, that doesn't fit. Right. It doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when guys, I, I keep saying guys, this can be guys or gals depending on the situation. But right. sometimes when guys won't break through denial and see this, I'll make them say it. I do not have integrity. I am not who <laughs> I thought I was. I have been an imposter and a fraud. And at first they resist. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, what do you teach your children? Do you teach yeah. them to be honest? Do you teach them, well, have you been? Well, I mean, because they've justified it so well. I mean, they fooled mm -hmm. themselves. But if they say it and they sit in it, and often they're very emotional about it, it can be a game changer. Right. And yeah. so they want it. They just, they've justified how they can do that and still be this good person who treats mm -hmm. others so well, and they sort of need confronted with it. And yet, yeah, there's this big piece where I'm not loving others. Right. I'm lusting or objectifying. Well, I'm not enough. hurting anybody. Yeah. I mean, maybe she notices I'm looking at her and I tell him, I tell him, Hey, if, if you ever need like 
even more motivation not to be that guy, go somewhere, doesn't matter where, kind of a public place, go into Maverick and get a drink, whatever. And notice if there is an attractive woman around and notice what the other guys are doing. And when you start to notice what the other guys are doing around attractive women, it kind of grosses, grosses you, out. you out. It really does. <laughs> and guys will come in here and they're like, I oh don't want to be that creeper guy. <laughs> they're just staring at her and staring at her. and st- I'm like, yes, you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And so that's kind of a funny little exercise sometimes. But Yeah. But that's, that integrity piece is just such a beautiful and huge piece for all of us, right? Yeah. We all want to be living within that space. And so this managing is like, this is how you do that in your mind. This is that front lines space of this is who I am when nobody's watching right. or when nobody knows. Right. And, and it's that really powerful and it, it feels really good. There is something about you have the option because you're not going to get in trouble and nobody will ever know. This will forever go right. um, unreported. Yeah, lying on your managing report. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the option to look, to look again, to look longer, to follow her around, maybe even flirt with her. I have those options. And I'm intentionally choosing not to. Yeah. Something very empowering about that. And once mm-hmm. you start that, it's pretty hard to go back once you really get into that because it's all they've ever wanted, really. Yeah. So. Yes. So one of the ways that I talk to parents who are talking to their kids about healthy sexuality, and I think it, it works really well in this context to talk about it as we're talking about that stimulus and response, the being exposed to something and what your choices around that is uh, to use the stories of uh, King David and Joseph of Egypt in the Bible. And one of the reasons that's helpful, I think, on a number of levels when you're talking to your kids also is just this concept of everyone can get exposed to things. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens to everybody. Your parents, sure. you know, kings, yep. prophets, all of these different people can get exposed to things. And that isn't the problem. Right. Unless you've created some sort of fantasy in your mind. Right. But if you're out and about just doing your daily life things, being exposed to something is not a problem. You haven't done anything wrong. Right. And that can be helpful for spouses as well. Like that you're not doing anything wrong in that case. Now, what you choose to do with that then determines whether where you're at on that spectrum. Right. And so, of course, with the story of Joseph of Egypt, he's, you know, has his employer and his employer's wife tries to come on to him. And that wasn't his fault. He wasn't trying to get that to happen. And he makes a choice to run, right, to get out so fast that, you know, he leaves, (laughs) (laughs) he leaves part of his clothes behind just trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. Right. So there's the choice that was made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have King David where he chose to do some double takes, look again, think about it, dwell on it, invite her in later, all of those kinds of things. So again, the initial stimulus is not your fault. 
It's what you choose to do with that. Right. So this is classic CBT or cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah. Um, you are constantly making choices all day long and receiving the rewards for those choices mm -hmm. or consequences. Rewards not always a good descriptor of what happens after your choice, but right. stimulus and response is the goal and taking that time and space. And those are really good examples. Those are good stories that most of us are familiar with mm -hmm. and can relate to. Addicts certainly can relate to King David. They have a right. harder time relating to Joseph. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Like, she wanted this? And oh, I, wow. I'm supposed to leave. <laughs> yeah, and I'm leaving? Wow. Yep. Yeah. So I think these are really good. And I think it's really helpful for spouses, too, when they're saying, well, wait a minute. Is this actually giving, like, what is this? You just said it's okay for this to happen. And we're saying, no, it's okay for exposure. Like, this happens to everyone. Everyone gets exposed. There's always going to be stimulus around, no matter what you're doing, where you are, what's going on in your life. And what we're doing is creating a space in which you have your brain gets a chance to start pulling back from that automatic response or, excuse me, reaction and creating a space for response and choosing something else. Right. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.